Mr. Hudlin, my name is Aquia Jamfi, founder of the British Blacklist. Please do us the honor and introduce yourself, who you are and what you do. Hi, I'm Reginald Hudlin. I'm a producer and a director. And um, I just finished a new documentary called Sydney about the life of Sydney Poitier. I'm going to try and compose myself because this little British African girl grew up loving and I'm inhaling. And I know you get this all the time. House Party is my, I literally said it today, House Party is one of my favorite films and it's always on my top five list. We will get to that. I just want to say thank you, sir. And it's an absolute honor to speak to you. Thank you. Um, so, you know, describe, can you describe your life in right now in one word or one sentence? Uh, joyously busy. I like that. I think that's where I'm at too. Joyously Busy is very, very good. And you mentioned already that you've directed the documentary Sydney, which I've watched, which is phenomenal. But in your own words, can you tell me what is Sydney about to you? Well, Sydney Poitier is one of the most important entertainers in the history of cinema. Mm -hmm. uh, his impact changed motion pictures. It changed culture on a global level. So it's about his life and his life touches on the entertainment business, his involvement in political activism and his personal life. You know, we have a full immersion in the life of uh, one of the greatest men ever. And how did this project come to you? Like, was this something that has been one of your dream projects? You've always like, one day I'm going to make that story or how did, it, how did you get married to this? Well, sometimes a dream comes and knocks on your door. <laughs> and uh, I mean, Sidney Poitier has always been so important to me. I mean, he, I feel like he's part of my cultural DNA because uh, I grew up watching To Serve With Love in the heat of the night, guess who's coming to dinner. As soon as I could go to the movies by myself, I got on the bus, went downtown and went to see Buck and the Preacher at Uptown Saturday night. Uh, and so when I get a phone call saying, hey, we have the rights to do the life of Sydney Party. Are you interested? It's like, uh, yes, let's go to work. <laughs> of course. Which was the, you mentioned that, it, you know, the films that got you out, you know, what you were allowed to go and see when you were old enough to go and see. Which is the Sydney Poitier film that is like, this is whatever it is to you, your heart, soul, this is the pinnacle of whatever Sydney means to you? Well, I, it's it's hard to keep it to one film. You know, that's a little unfair. I mean, uh, obviously in the, uh, look, there's this thread through all his movies of this is what a man is. Sure. Right? This is, uh, a man is intelligent. A man has courage. A man has a moral compass, right? So he epitomized all those things. And I was fortunate that I had a great dad at home, but there was also this role model in the movies that said, well, this is the standard. And I grew up, you know, without being very conscious of it, assuming that's the standard of manhood. I get that. So it's not one project, it's, just, it's the man rather than the projects. Yes. I mean, but, but every project reinforced that, right? So when you see him in Just Share With Love and you have a bunch of, you know, bad kids yeah. and you see him take command and, and, and transform those children's lives because of his 
focus and discipline, you go, right, well, that's what it's about. It's about being a man like him. When you see him in the heat of the night, uh, you know, risk his life, but take no mess. And you get, if someone slaps him, you slap him right back without even, you don't even have time to say, he slapped me. And you're like, oh, so all, all that. And then, you know, uh, Buck and the Preacher, because, you know, he's a cowboy. And he's yeah. riding, he's shooting, he's got those two sawed-off shotguns, he's, he's using his pistols. Yeah. And, and there's a, a, a movie a lot of people haven't seen that it's quite incredible called Brother John. Okay. Uh, which is, uh, it's kind of late 60s, where he plays a character, I'd have to watch it again, I don't know if he's Jesus Christ come back or an alien or something, but he is a higher power. It's a quietly profound film. So um, those are some of my some of my many many favorites. I mean, I get you. It, it would be hard to pick. I I did, you know, put you on the spot. So sorry. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's an understandably unfair question. Yeah, <laughs> but it's good to know. It's good to hear um, how you expanded on that because he means so much to you in you know and the inspiration that he's had on you and the effect that he's had on you. How did you manage to navigate telling his truth? As a, I say fan, a fan is such a reductive word, I think, but you know what I mean in that context, as a fan and as a, a, a storyteller, filmmaker. Well, there's nothing harder than to tell a story like this. You have a man who led a very long life and every year of his life was very consequential. From his birth year, like what did a debut in the world, you know, born presumed to die. Yeah. Right. And yeah. like, nope, nope, I'm going to live no matter what. I mean, just talking about his movies could take up a whole film. Yeah. Uh, you know, he had this big, amazing personal life. And, you know, I was very fortunate. We got to talk to both of his wives and all of his children. And, you know, and to get into all that, there were so many amazing stories, many of which had really never been told before. Then his activism, which is amazing in itself. And so you can't fit it all in. And uh, there's a period of mourning when you finish a movie like this, because you just go, mm, what's on the floor is really hurtful. But when people see it and they're really happy, you go, okay, but the movie works, yeah. right? Uh, so, you know, you just have to make peace with it. I was going to ask you what's on the cutting room floor. What's your fake? What's what's the bit like? You what gave kept you up at night? Like, should we keep it? Should we lose it? What were those? Some of those cutting rooms. Ah, there's there's a lot of things. You know, talking with his first wife. Uh, she was an amazing woman uh, who kept a very low profile, but was very important. And she tells us she has a lot of amazing insights. But there was, some, I mean, she could get her own movie, right? <laughs> and then the story of the making of Porgy and Bess, which was a complicated, flawed project from the beginning, but very uh, illustrative of the complications of functioning in Hollywood. I can just go on and on. There's, you know, like Sydney had a big, amazing, wonderful life, and there's a lot to talk about. So knowing that you can't do it all, you just have to say, okay, well, what's the message you're trying to say? What's the big idea you want the audience to walk away from. And that big idea is that this is a man who did the impossible. 
in this life with no roadmap, no role model, you know, no predecessor, right? He forged a path that didn't exist. Yeah. And me and everyone else as an actor, as a filmmaker, we walk the, the, the highway that he made. I hear you. And so, you know, you're a documentarian filmmaker who has worked in TV, scripted feature, event space. What's on the central checklist that you that you draw from to pull a project like this together? All the elements that every experience you've ever had. What do you what's your tick box, your main tick list? Checklist. Well, I mean, first of all, if you're like, hey, I want people to see this, I want people to understand this, then there's two important people I have to keep in mind when you make a movie. Mm-hmm. One is myself, okay. because if I'm not pleased, it is not going to work. Okay. And second is everybody else. <laughs> that is, who is everybody else, though? Everybody, everybody else. Everyone like me. Ah. <laughs> but, you know, the thing is, so I think about my kids who okay. were, you know, 15 and 17, you know, and they've heard daddy talk about City Portier, but they don't know City Portier, right? right. So how do I make sure that when they see the movie that it makes sense for them? You know, uh, how does it work for people who know everything about Sidney Poitier and like they're an expert, and, but when they see this movie, they go, wait, I hadn't thought about it that way. Wait, wait, that's a good insight, right? So I'm thinking about all those different audiences and you know i'm thinking about the immigrant community and how they go wow look at this guy he was an immigrant like me and look at what he did uh, i want people uh black people who, who feel like they're in oppressed situations and just you know like oh how did he get his way out of that i want artists whether you're an actor or filmmaker or, or an, a musician whatever to go look at this guy who forged his own path right who you know he didn't have any any advantages any resources but he became a great artist no matter what there's all these different people who will find a way into the movie and whoever you are hopefully one or two or three things will resonate with you personally i hear that and as you mentioned that what sydney represents i mean i'm he wasn't my immediate, I, I think I'm a generation or two below, so then sure. he was a distant inspiration for me. But what I always understood from him is his pressure to be all things, all things to black people because the, the pressure. And as mm-hmm. you mentioned that your audience is yourself, but then ensuring that everybody else gets to understand the story that you're trying to tell that satisfies yourself. Have you ever, as I class you as a filmmaker for us, we hold you very dear. Mm. Is that pressure though, to be all things to black people and have a commercial mindset? Is it, has it been for you as a creative? Well, that's the job. Okay. And, uh, but there's no pressure the outside world can put on me that's greater than the pressure I put on myself. Understood. I'm the toughest audience than everyone else because I am all those things. You know, I channel myself as a teenager growing up in the Midwest, you know, and what made me catch a a bus or two to get to the movie theater, right? And what pleased and excited me. And I think about me now as a parent and what do I want to watch with my family? And then I think about me as an artist 
And what am I going to watch that makes me elevate my game that, you know, that challenges me. All, all those things are on my mind. And with Sydney, there's doing right by a man who did so much for me and everyone else. I understand. And, you know, failure was not an option. And I suppose Sydney's the anomaly where everybody loves him. It, everybody loves him. So he everybody to, loves him. He appeals to white, he appeals to black. So it will be hard pressed to find someone that would be like, okay, this is not black enough or this is not white enough. You're actually telling a very central story that everyone can attach to and relate to. Mm -hmm. I did want to commend your um, talking heads list. Is it because it's Sydney the topic or is it because you, Reginald Hudlin, the filmmaker, it was like, whatever you say goes? <laughs> I, I, it's Sydney. <laughs> you know, you know, it's Sydney. I mean, I think, I mean, we picked people who had personal relationships with him. There's a million fans of Sidney Pardee that all have something to say. But when you talk to Robert Redford, who, you know, admired him, was inspired by him and then worked with him. When yeah. you talk to when you talk to Barbara Streisand, who had a company with him. Yeah. You know, you know, or Denzel, who hung out with him countless hours because they lived down the street from each other. And he would just Go, man, I'm going over Sydney's, right? <laughs> you know? And so um, when you, you know, so they had something to say. Yeah. You know? And it's great that those people trusted me, right? But I think Sydney is the, Sydney is the, is the son. I mean, I think it's Mr. Reginald Hudlin too, because I don't think that in certain other in other people's hands they'd be like, no, 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 because that person we don't trust. So it is trust, and it's testament to your legacy. I de I definitely agree with that. But well, I look, I, I I appreciate that, but <laughs> you know, priorities. I, I, I would. <laughs> I get it. I get it. I guess it. I guess it. What did you learn about yourself as a human being, as a and as a storyteller in making this film? Because I'm sure every project leaves you with a bit more learning and understanding of who you are. No question. It's really transformative to walk around inside of the life of Sidney Poitier for two years. Yeah. Right? Uh, because he is truly a great man, right? So when you really examine all, you know, the different parts of him and what made him great and what choices he made and why he made those choices, you really think about yourself and you just go, well, why do I make choices and how did I do this? And it really makes you think profoundly about your decision-making process and your value system and all those things. You know, so when you think about Sidney Poitier's commitment to nonviolence, and you think about that in the wake of the violence that he experienced, and his, he's still willing to have that commitment, uh, it's an extraordinary thing. And you just go, well, I, don't, I don't know if I could make that choice. But he did, and it was a lifetime commitment. His children talked about how he wouldn't kill a bug in the house. He would, you know, take the bug and let it out. I just go, wow, that is a commitment to nonviolence. That's an extraordinary thing. So uh, Mr. Reginald Hudland is committed to nonviolence <laughs> on the back of doing that. I, I'm not saying that. <laughs> <laughs> You know, but okay, so let's, I want to get into some questions about you. What's your current plan B? If it all goes wrong, what's your plan B? Well, look, I, I've been doing this for a long time now. So uh, this, this is it. Uh, 
30, <laughs> plan A's been working for quite some time now. So uh, I'm just going to roll this out to the end. I hear that. What's made you um, sad, mad, and glad this week? Because I think we don't get to understand the human of the creative. So what's made you sad? What's made you mad? And what's made you mm. glad? Got it. Uh, well, th those are three interesting questions. Yeah. Sad. You, you, <laughs> I've been very uh, fortunate that my life, uh, my family, very healthy. But, you know, some friends are now at the point where we're dealing with, you know, family members or friends or whatever who have friends who are dealing with health challenges. Yeah. Uh, and that makes me sad because, you know, uh, that's just a heartbreak for all involved. Uh, what makes me mad is, oh, well, this is a mad and glad, right? <laughs> Which is that, you know, we've got some real challenges in our political system right now. Yep. And, you know, the people who are contemptuous of democracy, of justice, that makes me upset. But I'm glad there are people who are standing up and defending what makes us great as a society. Yeah. And glad is I, I celebrated my mom's 92nd birthday yesterday. So that was pretty wonderful. That is, that's made me glad, but yeah, yeah. My mom's 80, so yes, I like that. Yeah, and my mom, she's 92, she's sharp as a whip, she's still driving, which is, you wow. know, I beware everyone else in Los Angeles, <laughs> my mom's out there on the road, but it's, <laughs> it's she's an amazing woman. And uh, every time I spend time with her, I just keep going. Okay, I don't know if I'll ever match your level of achievement as a human being. So that's made me super glad. I love that's why I love asking these questions. What are you watching right now? What's funny, my uh, my son started binging Breaking Bad, and okay. that was on my list of things I was embarrassed I never had watched. Uh, but it's for the better now because we're watching it together, I love and that. it leads to fantastic conversations about morality and fatherhood and parenthood and how crime works and how government works. So it's it's been a really wonderful bonding experience. I love that. And what are you reading right now, if you have the time? Oh, now reading is tough. <laughs> I hear you. I'm usually reading, uh, reading scripts, you know, working on what will be the next project. Okay. Um, so what are you listening to music-wise? What are you listening to right now? Or podcast, actually. I love listening to music. So it's a mix of like putting together my own playlist and like, okay, wait a second, what's new? <laughs> it's like, and I try to put together, uh, okay, as, as I assemble my playlist of like, okay, you know, where the, you know, here's the Beyonce and the Drake and the Soul Sonic and, and it's Soul Sonic, you know, and I'm just, and you know, and there's always some cool track you hear on social media, right? I mean, so you just, whoa, 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 what's, what's, where's that? And then you look at it and you go, ah, it took Can't Hide Love and flipped it. Okay, wait a minute. Oh, there's a four minute version. Thank you very much. Yeah, oh, yeah. So that goes on the playlist as well. So uh, I, I love uh, digging in the digital crates and finding new things to listen to. I love that, the digital crates, because I remember the record crates, the real crates. So, me, yeah. yeah, me, me yeah. too. Yeah. Uh, but you know, the, the impulse continues. I hear you. And what's the last thing you saw on a stage? And that could be a play or a musical performance. 
Did you even get uh, it? I saw the Michael Jackson musical uh, on Broadway. And you enjoyed it? And it was amazing. Just brilliant. What's on your bucket list? Uh, well, you know, uh, speaking of theater, I, I would like to do uh, a Broadway musical at, at some point. So can I make a suggestion? <laughs> sure. Can we get House Party? <laughs> you must be like, don't be so stupid. House Party the musical on Broadway. I mean, I'd go. <laughs> well, that that's one of was one of four ideas that I have. Yes. Thank you. I will. I listen. I will die. Who do you rate right now? Just I I like to just see who's who are you celebrating? Who's who's really got you excited in this creative space or in your personal world? Oh gosh, there's uh there's always people who are exciting me creatively you know and it could be anywhere you know sometimes i'll be reading a comic book and i'm like oh this is the truth i love this or i'll hear a great piece of music i'm like see they are just in the zone right now or i see a movie and i go okay that's the bar okay now we gotta we gotta get to where that is yeah. You know, so there's any number of things, you know, I'll see, you know, Dr. Strange, you know, uh, that Sam Raimi did. And I go, oh, my God, this is everything I love about Sam Raimi's filmmaking. This is great. I'm always, always have my antenna out looking for things to ins- to inspire me all the time. Okay, I like that. And celebrate yourself. What are you proud of? Like, make us proud of you. What's your what's your moment? What's your bit like, ah, I'm so proud I did this. <laughs> well, you know, um, I've been, I've got a comic book company called Milestone Media. Yes. So the hardcover, hardcover collection of the first six issues of Icon and Rocket have just been published. And if you haven't seen it, check it out. I mean, that's, you know, because it's, you know, sometimes things that are in an event in the comic book world may not cross into the mainstream, but I'm telling you, it's good. Can you give us an overview of what it's about? Well, this alien spaceship crash lands on Earth, right? Uh, But it crash lands on a cotton field in Georgia in the 1800s. Okay. So this enslaved woman comes out and touches the ship and the door opens and there's a little black baby inside. And she takes the baby out and she raises the child as her own, right? And uh, when he becomes a teenager, his powers start to develop. So just look for look for uh, Icon and Rocket. But this is your moment. Okay, I love that. And I mean, we have like three minutes left, and I could talk to you about more things and more things and more things. But um, your relationship with comics—where did that come from? I grew up reading comics. Okay. Everybody's like, "Oh, Reg, how'd you?" Because I was writing Black Panther. Yes. You know, and people were like, "Well, how'd you know?" I'm like. I grew up reading Black Panther. I mean, so I, that was and that was on my bucket list, and I just, I, I just like, okay, check that item off. I mean, I mean, I mean, the legacy. I told you at the beginning that I'm dying speaking to you because House Party is, I mean, and Boomerang, and some, but House Party is my quote unquote. I will bore you one day, when, whenever, and <laughs> say, well, do the whole script. What? Who were you when you came up with House, House Party? What were you doing? Why was that the story? And what does it mean to you? Because I love it. Well, here's it started when I was a teenager and my brother was in college uh, or maybe he was out of college uh, and he was making little independent films. And I had all these ideas for movies and I would be like, I have a new idea. 
Yeah. So finally, one Christmas, he gave me a present and I opened it. It was a book and all the pages were blank. And he said, stop telling me your ideas and write them down. So I would write down not whole movie ideas, but just fragments, right? And so finally, I went to college myself and I'm studying film and it was my senior year, you have to make your own movie. So I took all these different fragments and of ideas and experiences and I strung them together and I had this script for a 20 minute movie called House Party. Because, you know, I was growing up watching Animal House, I'm watching all these different teen movies and I said, well, why can't I have a movie about my life and my experience with my friends? Uh, and that short film turned into the feature film of House Party. The House Party filmmaker to the Sydney filmmaker, the life in between, what would they say to each other? Is that great Muhammad Ali quote. If you're thinking the same thoughts you were thinking 30 years later, you have failed, right? <laughs> I mean, I, I made House Party when I did because that was, I was still young enough to, you know, uh, accurately reproduce that mindset, right? And that mindset had enough kind of constant things that relate to youth. So the movie still works for audiences, you know, several generations later. You know, then with Boomerang, I'm a young man living in New York, you know, living my life, you know, so that reflected the light. I mean, not nearly as fly and cool as Eddie Murphy's character, but, you know, that was that life. You know, now at this point, you know, making a movie about legacy, about history, uh, you know, about the arc of success and the cost of success, all that makes sense to me in terms of the things I think and care about. I, and the final question, what is the scene or the moment in Sydney that just defines the reason why you said yes, the reason why you're the director on it, the reason why it exists? Well, I remember talking to Sydney's first wife and she talked about how he gave her a fur coat and she goes, well, what am I going to do with a fur coat? So she takes it back, gets the money and becomes the primary investor in raising the son. Yes. And I thought this is unbelievable. What a story. What a woman, what a couple, what an achievement. And, you know, that was information we could not find. It was only because we just kept asking her, please, please, would you sit down with us? Please, would you talk with us? And then she agreed, and that took my breath away. It took my breath away, and I just, and it's just about the for us, by us mentality that I embrace wholeheartedly. That was a moment for me. So I, I appreciate you, that being a scene for you. Thank you, Mr. Hudlin. Um, like I said, I wish I had hours because I would tap you up so much. <laughs> but um, honestly, an inspiration for somebody over here in the UK. It's a pleasure to speak to you. Thank you. Thank you.